Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We now have, what, 13 days until January 20th? And enormous amount of damage can be done in 13 days. There are two levels on which I am very concerned about this. Number one is the level of the Trump supporters, the people who have basically sworn loyalty to a cult of personality, carrying Trump flags rather than American flags, who, yeah, you know, just the, this whole Jim Jonesville, right? I saw this thing on Twitter yesterday, we are not done. Today we learned how weak the response was. The 20th is coming. By the way, 420 is one of the numbers that American neo-Nazis frequently use as code for Adolf Hitler's birthday, April 20th. Now they're referring to the 20th. Here we go again, the 20th is coming. We have been training for this for over a decade. This is not going away, all caps not, and now it will escalate. Here it comes. Right. So number one, you've got the followers of Donald Trump who are looking at yesterday as, hey, we just discovered how easy this is, many of these people, and how little consequence apparently there is. I mean, you had people on Fox News and on other right wing media basically saying, well, you know, it's there. Boys will be boys. Seriously. Fox News, One American News Network, Newsmax. Lynn Wood, Trump's lawyer, was tweeting that Mike Pence was a traitor, a communist sympathizer, and a child molester. Tucker Carlson said, we've got this sad, chaotic day for a reason. And he looks into the camera, speaking to his right-wing audience, and he says, it's not your fault, it's their fault. Who's the they? Well, his colleague on Fox News, Pete Hegseth, said this. But it wasn't because Donald Trump gave a speech and then told people to do something in the Capitol. Ultimately, to a man and to a woman, I talked to a lot of them yesterday. They said, this is a culmination of a feeling I have where my country has been taken over by the left. My voice is being censored in silence. I'm being canceled. My institutions are being fundamentally changed by the left. Socialists want to take over and transform our country. 
See, this is the ideology that Fred Koch was promoting back in the 50s when he was funding the John Birch Society and these imperial Warren posters all over America because Earl Warren, God forbid, in 1954 had been at the head of the Supreme Court when they passed the Brown versus Board ordering integration of our schools. But then I got even crazier than that as the whole right-wing billionaire network just said any kind of government regulation at all, any kind of social safety net at all, any kind of protection for the average working person, that's socialism. We can't have that. This is what he's blaming this on. He goes on to say, this is Pete Hegseth on Fox News. They feel like using COVID as a justification, mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, going past the constitutional prerogatives of state legislatures, that option has been taken from them too. And so what do folks expect to happen? Well, no, we don't expect you to take the Capitol building. You prepare for the next election. He goes on to say, the images didn't shock me because if you understand how people feel about the moment we're in right now, we feel like we're at a crossroads. People weren't going into the Capitol to target individuals to kill somebody. They were going in there symbolically, says Pete Hegseth on Fox News last night. If you look at what the left has done in targeting entire communities, private businesses, burning them to the ground, targeting police officers, private businesses. This is just random. No, he didn't say thus, this, just, excuse me. This is random acts of violence, which are far more violent and far more destructive than what occurred yesterday. In other words, the lefties are worse than us. He goes on to say, ultimately, you have to be responsible to the needs of the people. People feel like they're not being listened to, like their vote is being ignored. No, their votes were all counted. They just came up about seven million short. But this is, you know, what the right wingers are saying. So my number one concern is the followers of Donald Trump. And actually, it's kind of my number two concern, but it's the first one I'm laying out for you. This movement has not stopped. It hasn't even gone underground. It's very, very active. And on January 20th, they're planning a whole brand new thing from what I'm seeing. Now, I'm not inside any of these groups, but hey, this is what I'm seeing. Then the other area that I'm concerned about, and this is the piece I published on uh, medium.com this morning, is on March 19th, 1945. Now, this was three weeks before Adolf Hitler committed suicide. The Russians were invading from the northeast. The Americans were invading from the southwest and the west. And Hitler ordered the tank divisions and the German Air Force to just bomb the crap out of Germany. Basically, bomb my own country back to the Stone Age. This was referred to as this order that he gave, and he gave it to Albert Speer, who had become very, very close to him. He was the architect, uh, literally an architect, design buildings guy. And Albert Speer kind of prevented it from going into effect. But this is how dictators very often go out, is they take everybody down with them. My friend Armin Lehman, he's been on this program. He passed away a few years ago. But he was the 16-year-old kid who took the news to Hitler that the war was lost in the Fuhrer bunker, and he was there when Hitler committed suicide. And he pointed out that Hitler was trying to destroy Germany. He had ordered the destruction of Berlin. Again, the soldiers didn't carry it out. At that point, Armin was one of the senior soldiers at 16. They were recruiting 12-year-old boys. 
But Hitler was like, if I can't run this country, nobody can run this country. We're going to destroy it. And he's not the only one. Robert Mugabe, in his last days, ordered 20,000 people murdered in a state that didn't vote for him in the presidential election. And they were murdered. Jim Jones wasn't a political leader, although he did have aspirations. But I think he's the prototype of a psychopathic narcissist, which is, you know, very common. There's a reason why these guys almost never voluntarily leave office. They either die in office, like Stalin did, or they are taken out, typically in a war, like Hitler and Mussolini were. Very rarely do they say, oh, I guess the people don't want me anymore. I'll see you guys later. And Trump still has the nuclear codes. He's still the commander-in-chief of the military. So I am calling, and I'm very gratified to see that Chuck Schumer this morning and my Senator Jeff Merkley just called for Trump to be removed from power either by impeachment in the House and the Senate, and it can be done in a day, I believe, or through Mike Pence calling the cabinet together and invoking the 25th Amendment and perhaps even institutionalizing Donald Trump against his will. This is by Joss Dossi and Felicia Somnes for The Washington Post. Donald Trump briefly called in to the Republican National Committee's winter meeting Thursday morning. That's this morning and received a loud and overwhelmingly enthusiastic reception when RNC Chair Romney McDaniel put him on speakerphone, according to people in the room. We love you, some in the room yelled. Addressing RNC members by phone as they held a private members-only breakfast at the Ritz-Carlton on Amelia Island in Florida, Trump said that he had heard that the news media had falsely reported he would not be speaking. He told the RNC members he wanted to speak, was sorry to miss the event, and looked forward to seeing them in person. He made no mention of Wednesday's violence at the Capitol. Amazing. He gets cheered by the Republican National Committee, the RNC. It's just breathtaking. Representative Kinzinger, a Republican from Illinois, has, has uh, time to invoke the 25th Amendment. I have seen two different sets of articles of impeachment. I've been looking for links to the actual articles themselves. Instead, what I'm seeing on Twitter and, and in social media is pictures of them that I can't print and I, and I can't compare these documents. So I don't know if they're different articles of impeachment or how they differ. But I think this train is rolling down this track fairly quickly right now. The other thing, though, that I think we really need to deal with is the fact that Senator Hawley, Senator Hyde-Smith, Senator Marshall, brand new Senator Tuberville, Senator Cruz, and Senator John Kennedy all were supporting Donald Trump yesterday after all this happened. Now, I realize that the subtext to an awful lot of this is that the Republicans know that if they simply laid out their agenda, if they said, hey, we're the Republican Party, we think corporations should be allowed to poison your air and water, sell your kids toys that, that break, blow up, or kill them, 
We don't think that corporations should be regulated. We think that pollution is just a fine thing. We don't think that global warming exists. We don't think that the minimum wage should ever go above $7.25 an hour. We hate unions. We hate working people. We simply want tax cuts for billionaires, tax cuts for giant corporations, and deregulation. If they were to come out and say that, nobody would ever vote for them. And enough people in America have figured out that that's what the Republican Party is and has been for 40 years now, that increasingly they're not voting for them. Because of this, the Republican Party is left with two choices. Number one, they could follow the advice of their own post-mortem after the Mitt Romney loss to Barack Obama some, what, eight years ago, and become a party that is more inclusive and a little more mainstream American when it comes to you know social values and things like that. Or they can prevent as many black, brown, young, and old, uh, black and brown people and young and old white people, uh, people who, and city dwellers, people who generally tend to vote Democratic, they can prevent as many of those people from voting as possible. And the way that they have been preventing people from voting for the better part of 50 years now is by claiming that if they don't have really rigorous rules and lots and lots of hoops that people have to jump through in order to vote, you know, we're going to make it harder for you to vote than for you to, you know, do anything else, right? Than, than to pay your taxes, certainly. If they don't do that, they're not going to win elections. And so in order to be able to prevent people who might vote Democratic from voting, the Republicans have to perpetuate this myth that there is voter fraud, which there isn't. George W. Bush had a commission that looked into this. Donald Trump had a commission that looked into this. In fact, uh, Mr. KKK himself, Chris Kobach of Kansas, yes, they're all start with K's, led the commission right out of the White House and said, okay, we're going to find that voter fraud. You've got the Attorney General of Texas who put a million dollar reward out for any, if you catch anybody committing voter fraud, I'll pay you a million dollars. And the Attorney General of Pennsylvania caught one guy who registered his dead mother and then voted for Donald Trump in her name. One guy. And the AG of Pennsylvania continues to say to the AG of, or maybe it's the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania, continues to say to the Attorney General of Texas, where's my million dollars? But that's how frequently it happens. One case down in Georgia. Brian Kemp and, and, uh, and Brad Raffensperger pointed out, what, three, four days ago? They had found one case of a person voting in the name of one of his dead parents. Again, a Republican voter. This is how frequently this happens. Maybe once in one state, in one no elections are changed because of voter fraud. There basically is no such thing as voter fraud for all practical purposes. But there is election fraud. There is where the people who run the election say, you know, in this neighborhood, we're going to have half as many machines, so people will have to stand in line for 10 hours. In this neighborhood, we're going to close half the polling places, so people can't even find the polling places, and then they have to stand in line for 10 hours. Oh, in, in this neighborhood, we're going to knock one out of every three people who are registered to vote off the voting rolls by saying that they've moved out of state. This is what Republicans have been doing for 50 years now. Karl Rove invented a whole strategy back in, this, in the 70s and 80s. It was called caging, where the Republican Party would mail out a postcard to registered Democrats saying, if you don't return this card, I'll assume you've moved. Have you moved? Please return this card to let us know if you've moved or not. 
right? Things like that. And when the card didn't come back, they would challenge those votes and have those people removed from the voting rolls. The Democrats in the 1980s got a restraining order against this strategy of Karl Rove's and the Republican parties. And it lasted right up until the Supreme Court essentially blew it up during, I believe, during the George W. Bush administration, might have been during the Obama administration, just two years ago, or maybe last year. Ohio was caging. Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, was overseeing an operation where the Secretary of State was running a caging operation to, to throw Ohioans off the voting rolls if they lived in big cities, if they had names that sounded like they were black or Hispanic. And the Supreme Court said, oh, that's just fine. Well, actually, the conservatives on the Supreme Court said, oh, that's just fine. The liberals on the Supreme Court said, what? This is outrageous. But they were outvoted. Which brings me to the point of all this. The reason why Hawley, Hyde-Smith, Marshall, Tuberville, Cruz, and Kennedy in the Senate, and 120-some-odd guys in the House, men and women in the House, we're worried about voter fraud and we want a commission, is because they need to keep the con going. They need a rationale to be able to pass more restrictive laws in those states that they control so that they can maintain their control over a long period of time. They've been able to do this now for 40 years. They just basically lost control in Georgia, in large part thanks to the great efforts of Stacey Abrams in getting hundreds of thousands of largely African-American voters in Georgia registered to vote and helping them get out to vote, getting out the vote. Republicans have been doing get out the vote efforts vigorously for years. In the 1960s, my dad was doing this, but it was all among white people because they were Republicans. And they're still doing it with white people. If it's not obvious what this strategy is, it needs to be made obvious. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Nicole in Woodstock, New York. Hey, Nicole, what's up? How our so-called president responded to an attempted coup in the White House. And I was watching it last night, and I, I looked at a lot of footage. What shocked me, not really shocked me, I mean, it wasn't really that surprising, was that the president, the so-called president of the United States, said to his cult followers, I feel your pain. I love you. I love you. And you are special. Those are the three things he ended his short little pat on the back speech to his cult followers. This should be enough for anyone in Congress who wants to get him out with the 25th Amendment to do it. And they can't drag their feet. Well, Congress doesn't do the 25th Amendment, Nicole. Congress does impeachment. But yes, I agree with you. The 25th Amendment has to be initiated by Mike Pence, by the vice president, and then it has to be signed off on by the cabinet first. But but, yes, I totally understand and agree with you. Fire under those people because they drag their feet on everything. We don't have time to talk Mm -hmm. about this. As you've brought up many times, he has 13 days. There's a massive amount of horror that could happen within those 13 days and it seems like people have no idea it's as if something happens and then they just go on with their lives we need to get yeah, he this can start world war three exactly so and write this can- number down everybody anybody listening because nicole is absolutely right write this number down this is the number for the switchboard at congress you can talk to any member of congress you want or at least leave a message in their office it's 202 202- 224-3121. 202-224-3121. Call Congress now. 202-224-3121. Impeach now. Call your member of Congress. 202-224-3121. And the Senate as well. Dennis in Aptos, California. Watch this on Free Speech TV. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Well, it, it started out great because Ossoff and Warnock uh, obviously were the winners. But after that, it continually just went downhill. I was actually at an acupuncturist appointment when all this stuff started happening. What I saw, though, the highlights, if you will, one scene in particular really irked me. And it was of someone in the foreground who was obviously a Trump supporter, motioning for people to come into the Capitol building. And you had about 10 or 11 cops between him and the mob. And these cops just kind of stood there and didn't do anything. Just kind of looked at Oh, did you see the in. video that Steve Schmidt has been retweeting for, you know, <laughs> since yesterday afternoon? It's, uh, uh, there was a police barricade and the Capitol police were there and a couple of Capitol cops pull the barricade back and create a big gap and welcome these guys into the Capitol building. Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you something, Tom. I'm a 66-year-old white male. And not that I don't look all that much different, because I have a Southern European background. Not that I don't look that much different from somebody who's brown. But I've never trusted cops. 
And, you know, I, I think I've told you about this Pacific Grove cop, you know, had the three percenter sticker. He's been reinstated. And then later on, he goes on social media and puts out a message, F Black Lives Matter. I guess he's still there. They're trying to say his First Amendment rights to say that. But if he's a three percenter, he's a member of a terrorist group. And, you know, again, I heard this morning somebody using the, the term militia to describe these Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. They are not militias. They're terrorists. No, they're they're jihadis. They're, yeah, yeah, they're gangsters. Yeah. You know, militia, the California Highway Patrol, that's a militia. These guys aren't militias. Well, the, and the, the only militias that we have in the United States are the uh, National Guard. They are the state yeah, militias. That's, yeah. And, of course, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marine Corps. I mean, you know, and arguably the uh, Coast Guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the California Highway, obviously, they're more cops than anything else. Yeah, but, that's a police force. That's, that's not a militia. But, but, you know, a militia. But, you know, yeah, calling these guys militias just, I mean, that's their word for themselves, right? It, it simply elevates them, and it's not what they are. They're yeah, armed and they're, gangs. They're using, they're using the term militia in the Second Amendment as a cover for what they do. And, uh, you know, they're Nazis. They're fascists. They've got Trump as a fascist. I'm glad, you know, I'm hearing more and more people. Uh, Amy Goodman had somebody on this morning and, you know, she just said he's an out and out fascist Trump and um, he doesn't believe in democracy. And we need more people to say that. And Howie, yeah. oh, my God. I mean, he went to Stanford. I don't know what state Josh he's Hawley, from. I yeah. guess he might. Yeah, he, he went to Stanford. He's, he represents Missouri. He yeah, took and, uh, Claire and, McCaskill's seat. Exactly. And, you know, Yale Law School, but Stanford for four years in the, in, in the Bay Area. I know Stanford very well. I've gone to many Stanford football games in my lifetime. I went to Santa Clara, by the way, just down the road about 10 miles. But, you know, you think of places like Santa Clara with the Jesuit education and they teach. I think what approves, Dennis, is that there's a difference between being smart and being wise. True. Uh, anyhow, Dennis, I got to run. Thanks for the call. Spot on. Share the Tom Hartman program with your friends. We're available on SiriusXM, Free Speech TV, Pacifica, commercial stations nationwide, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, on the Tom Hartman app, and you can even tell your smart speaker to listen to the Tom Hartman program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and get your thoughts on all this. I also have a large stack of news and related issues and rants going back to the, what happened when Lincoln became president and they started expelling senators. We'll get to that in the second and third hour of the program. But first, I, w I just wanted to put this big issue on the table here. Ken, what's on your mind in Madison, Wisconsin? Hey, Tom. I wanted to question you if you're aware of any ethics violations that Congress people were doing was trying to overturn the lawful election. I would think that trying to support a coup would be an ethics violation. And it should be. I am with Cory Bush. Yeah, I'm with Cory Bush on this, Ken. And, you know, Cory Bush, a newly elected member of Congress, a progressive. And actually, I've got a story on it that she laid out was these guys should be expelled. They should not be allowed to sit in Congress any longer a little over 120 members of the House, and I believe we're down to now six members of the Senate. And in my opinion, they just shouldn't, should not be there. And yeah, here we go. 
Marie Newman of Illinois, Jamal Bowman of New York, Mondaire Jones of New York, Corey Bush of Missouri, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley. It's kind of the new squad. And Corey Bush said, expel the congressional Republicans who incited the attack. And then Mondaire Jones announced that he'd be co-sponsoring that measure. And then Marie Newman is also saying that uh, she will be co-sponsoring Bush's resolution. Frankly, I doubt it's going to happen because, you know, it would be seen as overreach. And that's just typically not how Congress does things. But it has happened in the past. I mean, you know, there were there were members who were expelled during the Lincoln administration. So and and as I said, I'm going to get into that in more detail. But I'm with you. I think these members, these 120 plus members of the House and these six members of the Senate need to be at the very least reprimanded, hand slapped, Put in, in the, in, yeah, censured, put in the corner, whatever it may be, or even better, expelled. They have violated their oath of office uh, to the Constitution, and they have certainly violated any position or misused any position of trust and faith that the American people have given them. Ken, thank okay, you. Uh, Charles in Hollywood, Florida. Hey, Charles, what's up? Happy New Year to you, first time. Thank you. Back at you, Charles. Oh, thank you. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning, I don't know, TV woke me up, and I saw all of these people, and I saw more footage of the people on on the steps of the Capitol yesterday than I did previously. And I was like, the first thing came to my mind is, you know, none of these Republicans in the House ran out to stop these people while they was in the hallway. No type of leadership from them. And second of all, I was thinking, you know, they should help these people. And it hit me, too. You know, they don't want to pay a fair minimum wage. They don't want health care for everyone. So they'd rather keep their people dumb, uneducated, and in the hole. And that's why, you know, you have so many people out there with so many grievances when it's their own party and their own president is killing them. Now, I am going to pay attention, and I want to know how many Democrats are going to be trying to push the Republicans for the 25th Amendment. or Chuck Schumer just work, came out and said it. One of my senators uh, here, Jeff Merkley, just tweeted, 25th Amendment or immediate impeachment. You know, this is, this is becoming a growing chorus, Charles. Right. And then second, last but not least, we got to force progressives. We have to force our party to sign a bill that's going to give us uh, Medicare for all, and raise the minimum wage no matter what, because this yeah. is our time. All that stuff is going to happen, but let's, let's wait until this crisis is over. What I find crazy, Charles, is that mm-hmm. things like Medicare for all are the things that these people are calling socialism and saying that they're willing to burn down the country, essentially, or, or at least trash the Capitol building to prevent from happening. I mean, that's, that's how weird it is. Really? You don't want free Medicare? Well, um, you know, they've been lied to so long that they think yeah. that, like the guy say, if we, if I have something, they're going to think that I, as a black person, took it from them. And it's yeah. up to yeah. our leadership to also reach out to these people now, even in the rural areas, and push progressive um I agree. I agree. Charles, thank you for the call. It is the day after the day after. Wow, it's amazing. We'll be right back. Stick around. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. By the way, Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., is uh, calling for identification of these folks. I think she wants to arrest them before they leave town.
Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, what's up? Hi, Tom. Trump's not only evil, he's dangerous and insane. The fact that the Proud Boys left a severed pig's head on Pelosi's house lawn and that they graffitied McConnell's house. This was all well orchestrated. When Trump met with that proud boy that he invited to the White House, I believe Trump gave him the layout of the Capitol. Because you can see on the surveillance, the proud boys, they're searching for something. They go through a black suitcase in there. Thank God the ballots were not there. Then they go to Pelosi's office. I think it was all very well orchestrated. And the proud boys, I do know for a fact they flooded the Internet with their directions. And Trump, he even called off the National Guard. That's why the National Guard's not there. He called them off. So everyone listening needs to call the White House and say we want Pence for the next 13 days. And I have the number. It's area code 202-456-1414 or 202-456-1111. You know, I can't believe I'm saying it. I want Pence. I want Pence in there for the next 14 (laughs) days. Yeah. And, Although uh, the two numbers you gave out were the White House switchboard and the White House comment yeah. line. And, and they're answering. Uh, but I can get- pretty much guarantee you that those people who are answering the phone do not have the power to do anything. I mean, it's fine to call them. But more important right now, Jessica, is for you to be calling your two senators and whoever I've your representative is from Chicago. This morning I've called Liz Cheney. I've called Mitt Romney. I think our impeachment or the 25th Amendment needs to come from a Republican, too. And yes, one last absolutely. thing that I think you will love, they're coming to take you away needs to be Trump's song now. He's mentally <laughs> From the 60s. <laughs> yes, they're coming to take me away. <laughs> I remember it well. I was, I, was a, I was a kid. Jessica, thank you. Spot on. Uh, Greg in Tampa, Florida. Hey, Greg, what's up? Hey, Tom, I certainly agree with the uh, top-down approach of impeachment and or the 25th Amendment. But I think we also need to embrace a a bottom-up approach 
from legal terms. If you recall, last September, Barr told the nation's AGs to be aggressive in charging violent crimes, including prosecuting them for plotting to overthrow the government. So when I was watching all of this nonsense, I heard two people identify themselves from Tampa, where I live. And I've been in touch with the um, U.S. Attorney from the uh, Middle District of Florida, or been trying to, to get them to you know, do what they need to do in terms of facial recognition software and such to identify these people and prosecute them for sedition. And I think if everyone would make noise and get in touch with their respective U.S. attorneys, that we could also approach it from that angle. Because yeah, it's kind of hard to lobby U.S. attorneys, but right now Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., she just did a press conference asking people to text or email information to her office that could be used to identify people who were involved in this thing at the Capitol building, presumably so that they can be arrested and held before they leave town, right? right? And she said everything that comes to them is also going to go to the FBI as well. So it seems like that's a great place to start. You might want to check Mayor Bowser's office. It may be a little more direct route for that information if you have any information. Greg, thanks for the call. Bill in Garner, Iowa. Yeah, all the people who are doing that in the Capitol, destroying it, is Trump going to be able to, uh, you know, pardon all these guys for doing that? He would have, I believe he would have to know their individual names, although after the Civil War, there was a general amnesty and it didn't name anybody's names. You know, he may well be able to, and it's another strong reason to impeach him or remove him by the 25th Amendment so he can't use that power to protect himself and his family and his co-conspirators. Because uh, I I guarantee you, Bill, there are co-conspirators here. I pray that that's going to happen. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bill, thank you very much. I'm I'm with you. Diamond in Hollywood, California. What's up? I think basically that there are Republicans already asking for the 25th Amendment. And we, you know, either way, whether we, you know, whether we do nothing, if we do nothing, then basically the Proud Boys and whatever can feel compelled to do whatever. But if we 25th Amendment him, we still have that (laughs) dilemma. And there's Martin Luther King Day coming up and there's, you know, the inauguration and everything. So I think we have to 25th Amendment him. And my dad basically had this funny thing to say yesterday. He said, what if they 25th Amendment him and then he asked Pence to pardon him? And after what happened, Pence doesn't pardon him. (laughs) Yeah. And which I think is a, a very realistic scenario, Diamond. This ain't over. That's the thing that's, you know, if there's any message, and thank Diamond, thank you for the call. If there's any message that I want to convey to you, it's this is not over. And, 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 and large parts of this are not going to be over probably in our lifetimes now that, uh, you know, Trump has unleashed this on the land. You're listening to Tom Hartman. And uh, Marianne in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Marianne, what's up? Well, I was wondering how would I go about addressing my seditious senator, Josh Hawley? You know, everybody should be senators to, you know, let them know that they want the 25th Amendment invoked or whatever. But how do you address a seditious senator? You contact the Democratic Party in Missouri and you say, okay. what can I do to help get Josh Hawley, unelected. Okay. 
Because that's, that's going to be, you know, I mean, there's nothing that you can do individually to convince Josh Hawley to change his mind. Josh Hawley is an ambitious, I'm guessing, psychopath, a person who thinks he's the center of the universe, who has no empathy and no understanding, doesn't care about his country or anything other than his own, his own advancement. I, I think he made that eminently clear. And so right now, short of, I mean, the other thing you could do is you could contact everybody in leadership, and that would be in the Senate at the very least. It would be Chuck Schumer. Contact Chuck Schumer and say that you think that as a Missourian, that as a citizen of Missouri, you think that Josh Hawley should be at the very least censured and perhaps expelled from the Senate for what he did. Okay, but, thanks. But the, I will you know, do the, that. What's the old saying? You know, revenge is the yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, winning is the best revenge. Um, the number one thing to do if you if since you live in Missouri and he he's your senator is to contact the Missouri Democratic Party and and say I you know I, I will knock on doors I will make phone calls I will stuff envelopes I'll do whatever I can help us find a good candidate to replace Josh Hawley and let's let's get moving. And frankly, I think that the reason that Claire McCaskill lost that seat to Josh Hawley is because she had been, quote, one of the centrist senators. She had been one of those people who was always trying to, you know, cut the baby down the middle, to be nice and friendly with the Republicans and go along to get along and, you know, opposing radical things like Medicare for all. And frankly, I think that if the Democratic Party were to put up a, a real progressive against Josh Hawley, because, you know, obviously this is a base election going on, then uh, Missouri would end up with a, with a Democratic senator. So I would carry that message to the local Democratic Party, too. Does that make sense, Marianne? Yes, it does. Thanks for your input. I will act on it. Okay, great. Let me know. Give us a call back and let us know how it works out. And, will do. And, and thank you, Marianne. Okay, great talking with you. This is what we need to be doing, right? I mean, certainly there's enough outrage in the moment. You know, yes, Chuck Schumer, you know, they, he said the quickest and most effective way it can be done to remove this president from office would be to immediately invoke the 25th Amendment. If the vice president and cabinet refuse to stand up, Congress should impeach the president. This is what Chuck Schumer said. Well, you know what? You think you don't have agency? I mean, anyway, that's the Tom Hartman program. Fair and only slightly unbalanced. Stick around. We'll be right You can help America return to democracy by telling friends and family how to listen to this and other great progressive programs. Tag your it. What can we as individuals do? I got this press release from Chuck Schumer. He's calling for the 25th Amendment. And then he says, if the vice president and cabinet refuse to stand up, Congress should impeach the president. Should? You are Congress. Come on. It's like, okay. And uh, we've got these six senators who have all declared that their loyalty to essentially fascism, to one-man rule, to strongman rule, to authoritarianism, to oligarchy, is stronger than their loyalty to America or the Constitution. And that's Josh Hawley, obviously. Ted Cruz, obviously. John Kennedy from Louisiana, obviously. Hyde Smith, Marshall, and, and now we've got this brand new one from Alabama, Tommy Tuberville, the guy who beat Doug Jones. So sad. So sad. So 
Kathy in Lansing, Michigan. Hey, it says here you want to talk about Tuberville by coincidence. What's up? This is how stupid this guy is. About a month ago, somebody asked him the three branches of government. And this guy said the House, the Senate, and the President. And Brilliant. the only reason yeah. he's, he's in... He's right up there with Ron Johnson. Yeah. And the only reason he's in the Senate is because he was a football coach. And he got fired because he couldn't beat Nick Saban. <laughs> Jeez. I and didn't know. More. Right, Kathy, I don't follow Alabama politics. But I, I'm telling you what needs to happen in Alabama. Alabama needs a Stacey Abrams. Absolutely. You know, there are a lot of people who have been so disenfranchised for so many years that they've kind of given up and checked out of politics and they need to be brought back into the political world. You know, when Acorn was doing this, they got taken down by Republicans. Acorn got taken down with phony video from uh, Project Veritas and all that stuff. And there's nothing there. There's very little left in terms of large, substantial, well-funded movements to register voters, except for what Stacey Abrams has been doing in Georgia. She's shown how it can be done in Georgia. It needs to be done in Alabama, in Louisiana, in, in South Carolina, in North Carolina, in Florida, Alabama, right across, right across the South. We need massive voter registration drives. It's time to why don't we have control. her become the head of the DNC? I think that's beneath her. I think that she's going to okay. run for governor in uh, in two years in Georgia, and she's going to win. And from the governorship, she's probably going to go to the Senate. And from the Senate, she may well run for president. This is somebody who's on her way up. She's a young woman. She's got a, an extraordinary career ahead of her. She is whip smart. She's one of the smartest people in American politics. She's one of the most dedicated. She has deep level of conviction and belief in the fate and future of this country. Absolutely one of my heroes, Stacey. Williams. Absolutely. Can and, we put her in the uh, cabinet? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm guessing she's not in the cabinet because she wants to stay in Georgia and run for governor. But, okay. uh, you know, I'm not privy to the inside of those conversations, but uh, that, that's just a guess. Anyway, thank you. Thank you very much. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. It's the Tom Harbin University Book Club. Today we're reading from Minority Leader, How to Lead from the Outside and Make Real Change by Stacey Abrams. This is from Chapter 1. I sit in the living room, a cozy space, warm in the early summer. I'm perched on the edge of a sofa next to Valerie, the home's owner, a lovely black woman in her late 40s. Across from us, seated close together on a wide settee met for one, are her two children, a son and a daughter. Politicians rarely visit their streets, which are nestled in a poorer community in South Georgia. Valerie beams with pride that both her children are headed to college in the fall. David, 17, plans to study criminology. Maya, 18, her belly round with her first child, intends to become a middle school teacher. Both newly graduated from high school, Maya will give birth in mere weeks and begin college months later, an unwed teen mother. Her intended school is more than three hours north of her home, so her mother will raise her newborn baby while she starts her freshman year. Valerie speaks matter-of-factly about the coming challenge, raising a new child just as hers leave the nest. Still, she is determined that both her children pursue college degrees that she never received. Maya, the mother-to-be, wonders how she'll do so far away from home and her baby. Yet in the next breath, she explains how college will be the best for her and her child. Their future success rests upon her. I've come to their home as part of my campaign for governor, so I asked Valerie what she expects of someone like me. 
What can I do to help make lives like hers better? In her soft voice, she replies, she just wants options for financial aid for her children. They will succeed, she says, if they can afford to stay in school. As I look around the modest home passed down through the generations, I understand both the pride and the desperation tangled in her response. She got them through and has given them the tools to carve out better lives for themselves. We chat more about the worries she's lived with all those years, our discussion turning to the crime and poverty in their neighborhood. Then I ask Valerie what she wants. At first, all I get in response is a quizzical look. That suggests I need to reconsider my bid for higher office. I repeat, what do you want for you? What secret dream do you have for yourself? Her confused expression turns to one of surprise. I don't know, she tells me. I've been a cashier at the Piggly Wiggly for 20 years. You must want something, I probe, something you'd like to do for you. A daycare, she admits quietly. I'd like to start a daycare center for unwed mothers like my daughter, so more girls can finish school and pursue their dreams. But that ambition is beyond her. Her body language, her tone of voice, her averted gaze speak louder than her words. I press her, but she demurs with a smile. Let's just see what happens if you win the governor's job, she says. Most potential minority leaders feel the same lack of faith Valerie had, at least at some point in their evolution. We may not know how to get the first job, let alone make it to the big chair. We don't know how to take the leap from accepting our fates to actually changing them, and not just a little, but radically. Then there are those who simply don't know what they want. The drive to achieve burns inside, often without a clear target. We want to be something, but what that is remains hazy. Often we cannot articulate our goals because they lie just beyond the reach of who we're supposed to be. Ambition's scale is irrelevant. What holds us back is not scope, it's fear. And because we don't know what to call our dreams, don't know how to make them happen, or are pretty sure we'll be disappointed, we just stand still. But becoming a minority leader demands that we embrace ambition as our due. Stacey Abrams. in the morning, Donald Trump, through an aide, tweeted, this is only the beginning of the fight to make America great again. In other words, our attempted fascistic takeover of the United States, this is the beginning, not the end. As I started this program telling you, this is not over. This is far from over. Secondly, and uh, uh, tip of the hat to uh, Norm, and thank you, I kept saying that Article 2 says that president has the power to give pardons except in times of impeachment. The actual phrase is except in cases of impeachment. The actual phrase is he shall have the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States except, except in cases of impeachment. So cases of impeachment, Norm suggests, could mean that the president can't pardon somebody else who's been impeached. In other words, you can't pardon an impeachment. But again, as I said, this has not gone before the Supreme Court. It has not been adjudicated. We don't really know. Diane in Hazel Creek, Illinois, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Diane, what's on your mind today? What can the average 
citizen do besides voting and contacting their congressman, which I just did, thank you very much for providing that number earlier, to prevent another Trump coming into office in the future? And also, how can we convince the Democrats to get a spine and do more than what they consider strong letters to make sure these Republicans and their ilk and and future people like them aren't able to gain and control power in our government? How do they intend to hold the current administration and all of Trump's enablers to pay for their crimes. What you can do, what I can do, what each one of us individually can do is is show up within the Democratic Party and to answer both your questions with one answer. And the reason why is ever since the, the late 1970s, the Republican Party has basically entirely, 100%, been the party of giant corporations and billionaires. The Supreme Court legalized political bribery in 76 and 78 by individual billionaires and and corporations respectively in those two years. And the Reagan administration said, bring it on. And that's been the Republican Party ever since. So there is no reforming the Republican Party right now. There is only beating individual Republicans in the elections. Which brings us to the Democratic Party. At the time of those two Supreme Court decisions, the Buckley case in 76 and and the Bellotti case in 78, the Democratic Party was awash in cash from unions. And they thought, oh, we don't need corporate money. We've got plenty of union money. Well, Reagan took care of that. And so then Bill Clinton came in in 92 and said, well, you know, we've got to have corporate money and billionaire money or we can't run national elections, created the DLC and all that kind of stuff. And so now you've got a situation where about half of the Democratic Party is funded by this, essentially the same people as the Republicans. And the other half of the Democratic Party is funded by the grassroots. And that's the progressive half. That's, you know, then the progressive caucus represents a little less than half of the Democratic caucus. So if you want Number one, to have politicians who are actually responsive to the people. And number two, a Democratic Party that will stand up to, that will get a spine, to use your phrase, and stand up to the Republicans. What we have to do is increase that majority within the Democratic caucus, within the Democratic Party, of Democrats who are committed to their voters who are funding their elections, rather than to Big Pharma, who is funding their election, a big hospital, you know, like Joe Lieberman, you know, he, he blew up the single payer option, the, the Medicare option, because he took over a million dollars from the insurance industry, from the health insurance industry. You know, <laughs> so what we need to do is start showing up, participating, become a precinct committee person, be one of the people who helps write the rules, be one of the people who helps choose the candidates, get good people in for city council in Hazelcrest, Illinois, for your county government, get involved with your county government. We have to build this from the ground up, Diane. It's not something that's just going to magically come into being because we make a phone call or a donation. The Republican Party and the billionaires who fund them have been working on this. The Tea Party was their first major project like this, and it was very successful for them. And they're using the same things now, and that's, that's what we have to do. Diane, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Thank you so very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking. Thanks for watching Free Speech. Tom Hartman here with you. I've got my pocket constitution here because the 14th Amendment, one of the three amendments that was passed after the Civil War to basically deal with the Civil War and re-enfranchise or enfranchise for the first time people of color in the United States and the 14th Amendment. Most of us are familiar with the first part. Everybody has access to equal protection under the law. But Section 3 
is interesting. This is section three of the 14th Amendment. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress. And then there's a whole bunch of other positions that you can't hold. I won't jump through all that. Let me just start over, letting you know in advance I'm taking out all the, they list all these elected positions all the way down to state, right? So, but it starts out, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress who shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution of the United States or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Now, this, of course, was for letting people who had fought on the side of the Confederacy run for Congress from the southern states as time went on, but that little caveat at the very end. But I think that what we've got right here is a fairly clear case of people engaging in insurrection against the United States. Picking up your phone calls, Bill in LaSalle, Michigan. Hey, Bill, what's up? I think that they should be impeaching him immediately so that he can not that pardon any of the people that were involved yesterday or anybody else that he has on his pardon list. That I agree. the 25th Amendment might also cover this if he's immediately removed, but that is also going to take some action by Congress, where if the House of Representatives impeaches him, it has nothing to do with the Senate. He's under impeachment. He can't pardon anybody. That's my understanding. Well, that's an interpretation. It's never been tested by the Supreme Court. And earlier, I said that uh, when Ossoff and Warnock get sworn in, then the control of the Senate changes. I was wrong. The control of the Senate changes on the 20th when uh, uh, Kamala Harris becomes vice president. Even if it's a 50-50 Senate, Mitch McConnell still runs okay. it, which means that if you want him impeached, yes, of course, the articles of impeachment have to start in the House. And there are already articles that have been proposed and laid down, and I guarantee you Nancy Pelosi is carefully looking this over. But then it goes to the Senate, and it's up to Mitch McConnell whether it gets handled expeditiously or whether it gets drawn out past the 20th. And this is going to be a but test for it, Mitch McConnell. It's my understanding that if he is impeached, and impeached just means that the House that has brought rules of impeachment against him, if he's impeached, which he's already been impeached, if he's been impeached while under that investigation for impeachment, he has lost his ability to pardon. It's my understanding. Yes, might, that I, is my understanding as well, Bill, but it has never been tested. The provision in the Constitution that gives the president this king-like power to pardon people, you go back and read the debates in Philadelphia in 1787, and we're concerned about a president pardoning somebody who assisted him in committing a corrupt act. And they assumed that if a president committed a corrupt act, that Congress would impeach him. And therefore, they wanted to prevent him from pardoning people who might be witnesses against him. And so it says that the president shall have the power of impeachment, except during times of impeachment. Now, the during times of impeachment part is what we don't know. Does that mean from the day that the impeachment articles are dropped on the floor of the House? Does it mean from the day that they have been voted on by the entire House and he has been officially impeached? Does it mean even right now, because he has been impeached, although he hasn't been removed from Congress, that's pretty much, everybody's pretty much dismissed that. Or does it mean that, you know, when it's being debated in the Senate or after he's been impeached, well, obviously after he's been impeached, he can't pardon people. So it's, it's got to be defining that interregnum there. But exactly when that is, 
Uh, nobody can say for sure, because like I said, it's never gone before the Supreme Court. But Bill, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I think you know the 20th, 25th Amendment is a fallback. This impeachment takes away his pension. It takes away his pardon power. It takes away his ability to ever run for public office, ever. It strips him of uh, you know all kinds of things. I mean, he needs to be impeached. Cynthia in Wilmington, North Carolina. Hey, Cynthia, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, I'm holding the two realities of yesterday in my hands. I woke up yesterday to joy comes in the morning, the election of Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, and the promise it holds for progressives to finally have the branches of government, the White House, the Senate, the House, to push for bold progressive structural changes in policy. But in my right hand, I hold the three-pronged convergence that created the heinous, despicable display at the Capitol yesterday. The first is this hideous president who needs to be removed immediately. Thirteen days is an eternity with all he can yeah. do. Goes what he's yep. doing in the moments with speaking. The second is every seditious member of the Senate of the House needs to be named, called out, and I think expelled. And the third is every sponsor of these right-wing media outlets that have worked in collusion with the GOP to create this horrified cult that literally believes what they're doing is right and patriotic. We need major boycott of every freaking business that supports right-wing media. I'm in my 60s. I'm a lifelong progressive. I've seen a lot, and I am clutching my left hand to my heart. Warnock and Ossoff and what can be, but it will not happen if what's in my right hand isn't destroyed. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Bill, what's up? Last minute. I think what should happen is these Congress people should lose their seats and they should be brought up on charges. But the congressmen who, before they leave, help to impeach and get rid of Trump should get leniency and not necessarily yeah. get charged with the crime. Yeah, I think at the very least they need to experience censure, but the most they should be expelled. And somewhere in that spectrum, something has right. to happen. Bill, I'm with you. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. It should be a real interesting day. Looking forward to it. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you so call 202-224-3121 and let your member of Congress know what you're thinking. Tag, you're it. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.